Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betches Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello, welcome to the Badger Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm Amanda Dubrin, your host and the director of news and activism here at Betches. I'm Elise Morales, a comedian and writer of the Betches Sup newsletter. I'm Millie Tamaris, comedian slash writer and uh, unformally Black Twitter and Florida correspondent for the Betches Sub Podcast. And we are friends and colleagues who twice a week, sometimes more, sit down and we vent about the news. Now, if this is your very first time listening to this podcast, you're thinking, wow, what a professional and informative introduction. And if you are a longtime listener, you're like, what are you guys I know, but as we discussed, <laughs> we we want to be a little clear up front, hence that little tweak. But Millie, Millie, I want to I want to get right into it. I really do want to hand right off to our Florida correspondent. Where have you been? Tell us specifically about your trip to the Dominican Republic and how Ron DeSantis negatively impacted your brother's wedding. Tell mention it all. Yeah, you know, so you know, my brother had his wedding in Dominican Republic. Congrats. Uh, yeah, congrats to my little brother. He was totally not a groomzilla, but he was like very much it's my wedding kind of thing. You had a this was a professional. You had a lot of obligations, right? I had a lot of I just did not think, you know, I was officiating. I really I got to say, you know, my brother was my brother and his wife like were very flexible and open to suggestions and they didn't know what they were doing. So it was a lot of my touch in the way. <laughs> well, it was beautiful. Which, yeah, which which ended up being great. You know, they did not want to write vows and I really pushed them to. And let me tell you something, not a dry alley in the house. No, I bet. And oh. yeah, and like literally I'm like, you see, sister always knows. Mm-hmm. But the 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 major stressor of this wedding was that my brother's wedding was on a Friday afternoon. So all week in Florida, that week leading up to it, it was catastrophic rain. Like it's never been seen before. Over 20 inches of rain. The Fort Lauderdale and Miami airports, which are huge airports, both of them, international hubs were completely flooded. All, all airlines were canceled. All trips were canceled. So it meant like a lot of my family had to drive from the South Florida area four hours to Orlando. And then some of them would either get direct flights from there, or I had cousins that flew from Orlando to New York or to Boston, then transferred to Dominican Republic. Oh yes, gosh. multiple family members. So in all the rehearsal dinner, like our rehearsal dinner was very sparse and empty. It still wasn't sure. I had cousins who like gave up. They're like, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to make it's too much. And then Last minute, they pulled through, like many people missed the ceremony. But, and, you know, I would think that, you know, when I would finally get internet access, I would think that, you know, there'd be some major, like, effort to <laughs> try to fix the the flooding, or I'd hear a statement from Ron DeSantis. But literally, all I was hearing was uh, six-week abortion ban, or 
uh, on an on a Zoom call with the NRA or wants to build it like just it would it, it was as if it was not happening. And I'm telling you, schools were closed. Like a lot of my friends, you know, they couldn't drive like my dad. My dad couldn't even make it because his car couldn't drive through the floods because oh like, you know, many people lost their homes. And it's just like it's as if Ron DeSantis It's not even on the same plan. It's like on a different. Yeah. On the like. In Mars, that's where he's at right now. Yeah, like, I'm surprised this didn't because- get more coverage because this is like this is Cancun Ted energy. I guess because it's we don't have a single picture. I guess because like he was literally. I mean, there was um, an article on Daily Beast, and the title was "I Lost My House in the Fort Lauderdale Flood While Ron DeSantis Campaigned in New Hampshire" because he was like traipsing about the Northeast uh, on his book tour, trying to sell his book on his campaign that he hasn't announced yet. Well, this person, his name's Elijah Manley, describes having to swim away from his street to find somewhere downtown to just rest for the night. Apparently, also the mayor of Fort Lauderdale was like, "He didn't call us." Yeah. What? And you would, yeah, you would think that he would at least zoom. Like when I heard that he was on Zoom, I'm like, oh, he's zooming victims. Oh. Yeah. No, he's no. zooming the NRA to say like, I'm taking on woke banks and like all of and and he also made a statement about Disney related stuff where he's like, maybe I'll build a prison next to the Disneyland, and it's like, I mean, I guess you can do that once you're on on the grounds of Disney World. You're not really like if there's a prison nearby, you wouldn't even know that he's also like maybe we'll build another theme park i'm like yeah or Orla- like there are multiple theme parks in orlando and yes. disney does just fine yeah. so it's very bizarre <laughs> that's what he was talking about though and that's why like Ugh. when you and i were talking and you were saying all this stuff about like the flooding and how bad it was it was so strange to me because in writing the newsletter all week i had been he- seeing all of this different random shit that ron DeSantis was doing and not one single thing was related to this flooding at all. Like, it was actually surprising to me to hear how bad the degree of flooding was once I looked into it, because he truly has been doing all sorts of, again, like you said, six-week abortion ban, he signed it. He made an appearance via Zoom at the NRA thing. He's been doing book tour, which is kind his way of campaigning without campaigning he's been yelling at disney and not a word about this flooding which is so interesting to me because i feel like the best bipartisan press he's ever personally gotten was when he just was basically normal after the hurricane last year and like he and biden appeared and he wore the the white boots (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and so it really goes to show that like his mentality right now is just like win a Republican primary. And it has, it's actually, I think to the detriment of his potential general election shit. Cause this is the kind of stuff that in a general election you can point to and say like, when my state had massive flooding, I mobilized this and that. And I reopened the airport and I got this fund together to help people with the flooding. But that's not where his mind is at at all. And, you know, the sinister, very dark, you know, idea or point of view I have is that, you know, South Florida is not red. You know, as many as much as we talk about Cuban population and Republicans and whatever. It's Venezuelans, too. Venezuelans, too. (laughs) No, you're right. You're right. Venezuelans, too. Um, 
the you know the, it's not a red and it is like the more diverse more bustling younger areas that experienced this flooding this time and one has to say in the way that you know the trump and jared kushner um covid approach of like let's not help the people who don't vote for us kind of mentality like that is just something i'm thinking about but it just again it is it it's just like common sense and then it whatever you know you can't prevent like flooding is just something where you can't you can't really predict as much as other catastrophes that an area is like the drainage is not going to help or whatever but it's like to not hear about any future plans to prevent this, like people's vacation, I can't imagine like people's vacations are ruined, you know, all this stuff, it's spring break. Like it's just really disorienting to hear that there is no future plans being made to prevent this terrible catastrophe. And as you're talking, it's like two things I was thinking as you both were talking were that it's interesting that you pointed out that before with that hurricane, he was out and about, which is kind of the most striking proof that he is so tunnel vision on the presidency because now suddenly he cannot be bothered. He could not be bothered to help the people of Florida. Like you said, like the reason a lot of people it took a minute to realize the extent of it is because usually a state's leader is the main messenger of the severity and they're like begging the president publicly, we need this, this and that. I can just imagine like the Fort Lauderdale mayor who says he didn't call him. Like I can just imagine this guy. It's a Democrat like at the DNC, the convention, if if DeSantis is the nominee saying like he did not he did not call us when our residents were underwater losing their homes. He even flew back. He flew back to fly, to sign the six week ban and find all the whitest women in Florida to surround him by the dozen and then flew back and continued doing his book tour. And obviously a range of impacts here from people losing all of their possessions in their homes to having vacations ruined. But people who have their vacations ruined, they vote. And I feel like, yeah, like they're going to start being, I wonder if they are even going to be annoyed that they're not seeing a reaction here from their from their governor. But like, I'm very sorry you couldn't make your flight to your vacation. Like his supporters were yeah. impacted by this too. Well, it's also like people have some like vacation homes and it's also like mm-hmm. people save a lot of money for vacations. And when you're thinking about a destination exactly. that you, you know, maybe like, it sounds like very like minimal when you're comparing it to like, oh, someone lost their home or lost their car, a vacation. But when we're talking about South Florida and a majority of the the income, the tax is built on tourism. And if you don't have plans in place to prevent things like this happening, what is going to, you know. In my head, if I were planning a vacation, it's like, where would I go? Am I going to mm. go to, you know, Cancun or am I going to go to Florida? Well, Florida, you know, it might flood and there might, and I might be stuck for fucking days. And then the governor might ban abortion, you know, what I mean? <laughs> while I'm there. <laughs> yeah. While I'm yeah. there. And it's just like, there's just no, but there was like, as much as we say all this shit about, whatever critical race theory and all that bullshit. It's just like, there's no immediate need like for abortion to be banned tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like whatever guys, you guys already won. Like, why did you have to do this now? And it's just, again, so out of touch. They have no policies like that actually help people. It's just to, you know, again, this is the government, this is the small government party, right? It's just so clear that the role Ron DeSantis is currently trying to fulfill is so clearly not good governor of Florida. It's so, it's it's Republican frontrunner. It's so interesting to me because the thing that got him to the place that he actually is at 
it was not like the, the place where people were like actually looking at him was not necessarily all of this woke culture war stuff. Like some of it around COVID, yes. But it was this idea that he was a good governor of Florida and he kept Florida open and made it work in COVID, which is like obviously like kind of anti-woke. But again, uh, it was him actually showing up for the hurricane. It was that kind of stuff is what put him in the position to be where he's at. We're kind of these more like, practical things of like we kept Florida's businesses open and this and that and that argument and so it's like it's very interesting for him to be choosing to just a hundred percent abandon that in favor of all of this culture war shit and just like also on the the subject of the vacations it's not just a vacation that members of your family missed it was like a major family Mm -hmm. event Mm -hmm. that can't be you know, the wedding isn't going to happen again. That's Never. not something that's going to be like rescheduled. So that's it's it's actually like huge, important life events that get impacted. And it's it's also another instance of just like Florida really needs a governor who at least believes climate change is a real thing and For can sure. acknowledge that it is real and can put in place certain can actually start thinking about like how do we fortify our state against the changing climate and what's going to happen in these hurricanes and these floods and the way that the weather is going to affect people but instead he's you know running around promoting his book banning abortion talking to the nra yelling at disney like just uh, stuff that in a, on a practical level is not going to set up his state for any type of success in any way in the future. This is just like literally his strategy. Again, just to piggyback and reinstate what you were saying. It's just like people liked Ron DeSantis because he was a departure of Trump. He was less loony and actually did more government shit. And now instead of being that he's just trying to take the position of Trump and being a Trump copycat of like not really doing the day-to-day things, but I'm the, the 30% of people who fucking love Trump are ride or dies or whatever. That's who Ron DeSantis is speaking to. And he's just like, cannot care about the majority of this country, which is that was the Trump strategy. And again, if you get enough of those 30, those 30% of people live in places that are, that gerrymander up to the fucking walls <laughs> in the zigzag, zigging, zagzag <laughs> districts that it maybe make made an impact to get him to a certain place. Uh-huh. Like that's his strategy instead of like actually doing shit and then being able to say that he did shit. No, it's just like woke culture. And hopefully the five people in Ohio that care about this shit, and are so scared that no one can even knock on their door without them shooting them in the face, fucking, he's going to appeal to those people and not the people who are literally, literally and metaphorically drowning. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. 
There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Before we get on to our next topic, because it's also a little heavy, We'll acknowledge that it's 420. That's fun. That's more fun. <laughs> I am very excited for uh, for tonight's show. What are you guys going to wear? Can you just take a moment? Just you guys know, Elise, your hair looks so good. I know our listeners can't oh, see, but they'll you. see good video I, tonight. I re-upped my color for this uh, for this event. I actually have a shirt that I bought at Spencer's Gifts oh, in wow. 2008. Oh, has a weed leaf on it and says vote for a greener tomorrow that has wow. been my 420 uniform for Obama's year. many years yes it's uh from at the fair oaks mall in virginia this very back of the spencer's gifts i acquired this shirt <laughs> and i it's come with me throughout the years and every 420 i bust out my vote for a greener tomorrow weed leaf t-shirt isn't that and that is why the end of mall culture for teenagers is so sad isn't it like i know yeah yeah but as long as there's like a shin or their stupid instagram <laughs> ads they're gonna see those dumbass shirts and i think they'll get it and you know what i'll say i don't know hot topic hot topic has adjusted and spencer's yes. too like you're in there and i'm like what the hell is any of this shit it's all anime and but you know in invader zim is still there so i don't know i feel like yeah. sometimes and they might ironically bring back mall culture so that's true that's true today i bought myself a grinder that's it's a four tweeny grinder because like a mid-sized dachshund you call them a tweeny it says life is rough take a puff with a dachshund on it I've been waiting literally Perfect six weeks for, for this item to become available. It is the brand Bean Goods, in case you're interested. And they say that there's no happiness in capitalism. <laughs> oh and my here God. we go. <laughs> here we go. Products will make us happy. Car marks. Oh, yeah, because while I was there, <laughs> I got a dog leash that has like a dachshund, but it's like an Andy Warhol banana, but it's shaped like a dachshund. Millie, okay. what are you what are you sneak peek of the fit tonight? You know, I'm feeling very, very, I think I'm I'm going for something very feminine, very something like with a feather, very 13 going on 30. Ooh, like that. I feel like Betches, if yeah. anywhere I can get away with it, it's going to be the Betches show. So I'm going to go something very feminine and, and 13 going on 30. Who knows? Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. I can't Colored wait. eyeliner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know. I'm, I'm going to, I'm like, it's really... I'm excited to get dressed too because it really is one of those like it's girls dressing for girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we yeah. dress for. Yeah. I have yeah. a cute skirt that I'm going to pair with the shirt. I'm excited. So. Yeah. I always buy two tickets to these things and then like Mike, if he wants to come, will come. But like it took a long time for me to find someone to claim this one. And when I finally did, I just sat. I was like, Mike, you're not coming. <laughs> finally found someone. Yeah. Fine. There's like a rank of like compliments and it's like yeah. men are at the bottom and it's like other women, black women, old ladies. Well, little girls are at the top. When a little girl's like, you're pretty, come on. Yeah. And I say you stuff. look cool. I do have an announcement to make. If you're looking, uh, listen, the, the men in Dominican Republic are ready to get on 90 Day Fiance. And that's all I'll say about 
that. They are ready for you to take them out of there. They want to go home with you. Literally every single one. Good Lord. It, TLC, y'all better. And then you know what? I know you should this. produce it. Every fucking every fucking season has a Dominican guy on it, and I didn't ever realize why mm. until I was. <laughs> and I'm like, must be a competitive these- casting process. Oh my god, these guys! Are- and I saw I'm, I'm my playing too. I'm like, this girl's bringing this guy home. Like, <laughs> good for her. Empowered, empowered, empowered. bringing home a a nice home. Dominican man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was a nice reprieve before our next topic. Uh, So now on to the main news. Often on this podcast, like a similar – it's weird how often it will happen where a similar tragic event will – it'll happen in quick succession or sometimes because we're paying attention to a big one, we'll start to maybe like zone in on the local ones more. But this usually happens over a period of like several weeks. Mm -hmm. I can't really remember a week when every single day, day after day, we learned of a young person who was shot by a gun while just – going about their lives. No no mistakes made. I've struggled to even describe these as like pulled on the wrong door, went down the wrong driveway because it in- involves some sort of like responsibility. Ralph Yarl, of course, was shot while pulling on the wrong door. Kaylin Gillis in New York was shot dead as she and her friends were leaving the driveway they'd accidentally turned down onto. Heather Roth and Peyton Washington are both cheerleaders in Texas, and they were shot when they accidentally pulled on the wrong car door. Washington remains in the hospital. And a neighbor in North Carolina, this happened, I think, Wednesday or Tuesday, shot at six-year-old Kinsley White, six years old, and her father because they were playing outside and their basketball rolled into his yard. White had to have bullet fragments removed from her face, and her dad was still in the hospital as of yesterday. There was an interview with this very young girl that honestly felt like it shouldn't have happened. <laughs> it, it seemed like too too much for her, but she said something really chilling. She was she was like, they're like, what did you say to the man? And she said, who shoots at a kid's dad? And I just found that so striking. Number one, to think of your dad before yourself, not just like who th- who shoots at a kid, but like to have an awareness, like you sh- you saw me, you knew this person was a parent and had a child to care for. And she's still in the hospital. So I don't have like real discussion prompts for, for this. It's just like, it's been a really heavy week and hard to process um, all of this. Well, I mean, I think that this is all super interconnected with, yeah. you know, the Dominion lawsuit coming out of just like, There are so many people we talk about all the time on the Betcha Sub podcast about how social media platforms, you know, make more money by anger. And there are so many channels and TV and all not to get like tinfoil hat, but it's like people capitalize and make money on fear and misinformation and fueling all of this stuff. And and that coinciding with anyone being able to get guns more easily than they're able to get medication for their anxiety, medication for their paranoia, therapy for their PTSD, all of that. It will, it does equal to like, you have perceived threats. Like any little interaction that you have is going to be a perceived threat where you think somebody pulling into your driveway is, is going to kill you. And I mean, I think it's not just that it's also like, coverage of true crime and all that stuff. It really over represents these crimes and these things that happen when really they're extremely rare. And we talk and, and, and as we talk about like wokeness and like critical race theory and all that shit that all these people are so scared about, 
it really America and uh, among mass shootings and stuff like America has gotten safer in many ways than before. You know, we, we still have a mass shooting issue and all of that, but again, that's not a, you know, very rarely does a mass shooter pull up into your driveway and kill you and your family. You know what I mean? So, and very rarely do they knock on your door and mash you. Like, mm-hmm. like that just doesn't happen. It's just that's very rare. But these people are so paranoid. I know def- the the man who shot uh, Ralph Yarrow, mm-hmm. his grandson came out and said, my grandfather was deep, deep down in that Fox News rabbit hole. He was obsessed with it. That's all he watched. OAN News, all of that. So I think for me, it's like, this is very heavy and all that st- and and everything, but it's just like the Dominion voting again. People mistrusting the elections, like that is one c- consequence of misinformation and all of that. But definitely, all of these violent actions where it's just like immediately escalating into this these tr- fatal things. You know, even if even if Heather and Peyton make it through, like like they're fucked. For the rest yeah. of their lives. They're so traumatized. I mean, they uh, there's you can't avoid the experiences these children have had. You can't avoid having to pull on a door. But like these children are going to be terrified for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. doing normal things. It's such a really great and interesting connection that you just made there, Millie, because like one of the things that we were talking about um, with Aaron Ryan was like, because we were talking about the Dominion suit and how Fox's whole thing is like being aggrieved. People are out to attack you. They think you're stupid. They want to get you. They want your money. They want your house. They're going to loot you. They're going to do all this stuff to you. And so we have this frightened, older population with and you know in the case of ralph yarl this guy literally shot a child mm-hmm. without a question they like i remember reading that like yarl said that no words were exchanged before he shot a teenage boy in the head Crazy. like that is so that person is so far gone not just in their racism but in their fear that it's like we really do need to think about how people are getting there. And it's uh, it's really upsetting that we have these news networks that are riling up and traumatizing our aging population mm-hmm. in a way that now they are acting out in violence and traumatizing the youth of our country. Every single one of these kids that we just talked about is traumatized forever. Mm-hmm. because of what happened and that's the best possible outcome the worst mm-hmm. outcome is that they are killed the best outcome in these whether it's these mass shootings at schools whether it's these individual incidents the best outcome is they're just traumatized for fucking ever because mm-hmm. of it is that their life like veers off into a course that it just never could have been you know, I Ralph Yarl, this kid, he was a band leader at his school. He was he was just a regular kid. And who knows what he could have been or where he could have gone or whatever. What there was the shooting, I think, last week in Louisville, where a kid who was like about to go to college. That was on Alabama, the school. Alabama one. We got there. So Sorry, many. Yeah, yeah. And like the one in Alabama that was at a birthday party. Yeah. 
that this kid it was this kid was shot and killed and he was like on his way to college on a football scholarship like bright future just extinguished for all of these kids because of angry adults Mm -hmm. which is really sad Mm -hmm. yeah you both pointed out i think like people tend to spend a lot of time focusing on like foxes like how it's very associated with the Republican Party, obviously. And we don't really watch it. But but when I watch like weekly roundups, I am always shocked. And I might be naive by how explicitly racist it is with how like day after day they will have white commentators react to these very bizarre like compilations put together like horror movies about crime. And these people are seeing this day after day. Mm-hmm. Like Elise said, like this man described himself, Andrew Lester, as terrified. Of what? Of what? What made you that terrified? Like, and of course, he should be using his own fucking critical thinking skills, of course. But yeah, I, the thing that I have been struggling with with this series is that when when we see mass shootings and a lot of times they're undertaken with like AR-15s and semi-automatic weapons and automatic weapons that we have kind of a specific idea about how we can maybe stop mass shootings in the sense that if we can get these weapons that can kill a lot of people from far away really quickly by some sort of sweeping piece of legislation. What's kind of like what makes me more sick to my stomach and, and seems like harder to deal with is just the fact that all of these people have a shotgun in their home. Because yeah. I know we're never going to do a thing where it's like we're going to go take everybody's guns. I think the only way we would ever ask for we could only do a buyback around assault rifles, but it's just there are too many people that are too trigger happy and they have these weapons. That is the difference with other countries. Like I do think Americans probably listen to a lot more true crime than maybe other places. But like the reason that people can act on these wrong, Mm -hmm. fearful instincts is because it's so easy to get a gun. And I don't know how like they're in so many homes They're They're everywhere. It's terrifying. Well, and something that I was thinking of and like one of these discussion and one of these threads, you know, um, in a, in a similar tangent is, you know, somebody was talking about how, again, uh, the man who shot Andrew Lester, Ralph Yarl, um, shooter, uh, you know, again, addicted to Fox news and everything. And this man was like, you know, when my grand my grandpa had, dementia and all of that like we took away his car keys and we took away his guns and like that is something and 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 now that i'm thinking about it you know again we talk a lot about the exploitation and the abuse that young people get in this country but we need to start having serious conversations about aging populations and just like we you know social media companies are looking and protecting and they should be predatory behavior against children on these apps. Like I'm just looking for in America. It's like, what would it look like if we had predatory protections for people who prey and target old people, mm-hmm. you know? And like, what, what does the social media look like when you're not spreading so much inf- misinformation or even cable news or any of that, you know, because it is again, flagrantly racist. And the thing is, I mean, the reason why Fox gets, so shared it's because it's like social media networks and you know there there was that great uh, podcast episode about you're wrong about where they talked about why misinformation like how to like help your family who's kind of like been fox news pilled and it's like 
because they're seeing their friends and family members in their social networks share these articles they believe it's from a trustworthy source, you know? So that is something that always has stuck with me about like the misinformation. of And, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I can't tell you even, you know, as a woman of color and whatever, and I, when I meet somebody and this and that, they're like, well, you're, you know, I used to think I hated these kind of people, but you're not like that. You're not, you know, like, and it's just like, no, you just don't, or, you know, people say that even about feminists too. It's like, well, I used to think this and that, but you're cool. And it's like, no, you just don't have a like actual, you don't know anybody in your day-to-day life that can disprove that, you know, you're just getting your, your stereotypes and everything from this people who like benefit off of it. So of course, you know, if, Andrew's hearing, you know, Andrew Lester is hearing every day that black teens are causing crime and black teens and black teens and a black teen shows up at his door. Like this guy's going to be terrified, which, but in reality, that's not true. And, you know, I think that I would love to see a conversation on, you know, some kind of responsibility being held by Mm -hmm. the people who put out this message. Yeah. Well, we we address the voting systems at length on Monday. Obviously, the outcome has we know the outcome now where they have to pay nearly a billion dollars, but will not have to apologize a single time on television That's, for their to role me, it's there. Like I don't I'm sure Dominion voting systems cares about the money, but to me like in in keeping with what we're saying about like how many people are watching the channel the fact that they do not, they got out of this without having to say anything publicly, like that's the whole game because a person like Andrew Lester, exactly. A person like Andrew Lester who watches Fox all day, who gets incensed by Fox all day, straight up. He is not going to hear shit about this lawsuit. If he does, it'll be in passing. If he does, it'll be constructed in a weird way to make it seem like it's less of a big deal than it is or whatever. I don't know if he would ever hear about all of the text messages that were Mm -hmm. released or anything like that. I when I was listening to the Daily talking about the defamation suit, they said that Fox When they initially when it got reported on Fox, because they did at least like, you know, sort of in passing say, oh, and by the way, we settled this lawsuit. Their reporter said uh, we weren't able to confirm the number of the of the suit. And on the daily, they were like, that was the only reporter of any network who even said that. So it's like they're back to business as usual over there. And without the apology, like that was the whole game as far as I'm concerned. And hopefully one of these other lawsuits that they're similarly facing, there's one from Smartmatic. Hopefully one of those actually sticks to the apology aspect of it because it is, it doesn't matter that they paid. It doesn't matter that it was the largest defamation suit of a media company It doesn't matter unless they are actually made to report it properly on their network and apologize and say that they were wrong. Because even the statement that they put out afterwards, it was like this weird roundabout, like, we acknowledge that the court recognized that some statements made about the voting machines were wrong. And it's just like, we are not going to deal with the problem of misinformation that way. We are not going to deal with the problem of people being incensed by things that are wrong 
this way. And again, you know, you think of a person like this 84 year old man who shot a teenager on his doorstep mm-hmm. in one, because he has access to guns that he shouldn't have access to at all. And two, because he has spent all day in and out for years and years, according to his own grandson, being poisoned by misinformation it's like the fact that they do not have to correct the record i don't give a shit how much money they have to pay that's priceless for them to not have to correct the record is the priceless thing of the whole matter i bet you they they (laughs) i bet you they paid even more like if they would have apologized they wouldn't have to have settled for the but again like what is fox news if they're not constantly spewing out misinformation you know yeah yeah, that's their whole game is is to do this. And it's and it has literally deadly consequences. Oh, uh, we should just like make a count on how many, including January 6th, how many people have literally died because of Fox News. Yeah. And there have also been tons of instances of attempts like I yeah. don't I think it was years ago or whatever, but there was that psycho guy who lived in a crazy pro-Trump van who sent threats to a bunch of Democrats and Mm -hmm. tons of other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like people have really tried to enact violence because of the things that they are hearing on Fox and then also these further right networks that are even more disturbing. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a real problem. And I think it's also it all coincides with the fact that everyone's mentally ill from the pandemic. Yeah. And so now people are angry. They're getting misinformation and everyone who wants a gun can get one. So well, it's- you can get one that even caused a mass shooting. Thank you, Louisville. Cause they auctioned them off. They legally auction off. You didn't hear about how they auctioned off the Louisville mass shooting gun. Cause that's like a law. Like these people are crazy. <laughs> That's so bizarre. That is so bizarre. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right. Next up on today's edition of Should Women Have Rights? The Supreme Court 
needs a few more days to think about it. We're still talking about this Mifepristone case. And as we have said on every podcast, like the more confusing and complicated and drawn out this gets, the fewer people are going to know what rights they have and they're going to be um, they're going to be more reluctant about accessing them. So a very complicated court case involving Mifepristone got even more complicated this week as the Supreme Court delayed its decision on whether or not to allow restrictions another few days. So they're going to decide by Friday. SCOTUS agreed last week to an emergency pause when the Biden administration asked the highest court to maintain full access after the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals agreed to implement certain restrictions that would radically limit the circumstances under which patients can use mifepristone. So what, what, what we're waiting for SCOTUS to do is basically like decide if these rest- any of these restrictions, I believe from either ruling, um, can, can go into effect while this appeals process continues. And I guess it would probably come back to them eventually. Legal experts say the Supreme Court's default option should always be to maintain the status quo as litigation plays out. Like, okay, as this keeps going, best case, we don't want to cause chaos. We're just going to keep it available. But we remember that like they famously did not do that for SB8. Um, so we might find out by tomorrow. Earlier this month, U.S. District Judge and far-right zealot Matthew Kazimark ruled that the FDA was wrong to authorize mifepristone and that it should be removed from the market. And then the Fifth Circuit, they said, you know, we can't totally remove it from the market, but you can put some restrictions on them. But they were super meaningful restrictions. One of them that's not really getting as much attention as like the um, telehealth or the time frame is that it also would like cancel, like stop them from dispensing a generic that makes up for like two thirds anyway. So it's just short of a ban. And, you know, as many legal experts have said, there's just absolute. This is a terrible case. There's absolutely no reason for these people uh, to even have standing. Elise and I talked about this last week. How they're just it's they're just too stressed out having to deal uh, with the consequences. But this is a prolonged this is a prolonged issue. We're not really going to get answers on, but it's really serious. I would love for someone to just ask Matthew Kazmarek, that fucking judge, to draw the female reproductive system from memory. Draw it and label it. Tell me how it works before you ban this and say, like, this medication is actually bad. Like, I want to know if you even have a basic understanding of the the system that you're working with here. Sometimes because I'm like, my guess yeah. would be it's a no. That is what is so shocking is like these people are truly behaving as medical experts. It is yeah. it is bizarre to me that there are even that it was even like a potential avenue to go down and. There are a lot of, you know, there are the 17 Democratic states that will be hopefully protected no matter what because they have this other lawsuit. But you have the Biden administration and then some other states being like, they don't want, we don't want to be the ones to start the not listening to court decisions. Like Kathy Hochul should, could absolutely be like, we're good. Like this, we, this yeah, noted, but that's not gonna, I don't know. I, I think everybody <laughs> would feel itchy about that because then when they, that leaves them, you know, free to ignore them too. But this is really extreme. There's just absolutely no reason a, a single federal judge should have anything to do with how medication is dispensed. Yeah. I mean, just because you went to like Florida Gold Coast Law University 18,000 years ago doesn't mean you you should know what fucking FDA yeah. approved abortion. It's just like, why? It's like, you want people to have kids so that what? They can get killed in mass shoot? Like, what is the America you want these children to be born in anyway? Like, leave people alone. <laughs> I Leave people alone is right. I'm I'm not 
disheartened by the fact that they punted this to a Friday because there's like kind of a long standing reputation that Friday is the day that like disappointing. Yeah. And it's not just like the courts. It's like uh, the Trump administration would often do shit on a Friday. I mean, it, it goes back way further. There's a West Wing episode called take out the trash day that's about putting all your worst news out on a friday it's like there is a long-standing reputation around friday (laughs) releases of news so as soon as i saw that like they're gonna decide on friday i kind of like i tensed up a little bit because i'm just like that's not good and this court i think has a history of its worst rulings coming out on Friday, I believe. I mean, Dobbs was definitely a Friday morning for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I think they sort of hope that like (laughs) they they generally people hope that like the news, the journalists will just be too like they're going they're going away for the weekend. They won't be bothered to cover it, which it's like a very weird. It's literally our rights for this shit. Like we're going to we're going to talk about it. (laughs) Like I'll deal with that Monday. No worries. I think it's more they hope that people won't like, oh, people don't want to protest. It's like people are done with it. Like you can't get them as as activated. Yeah. All righty. Finally, today, there are some updates on a topic we covered on the podcast recently, and that is whether Dianne Feinstein should be in the Senate. For years now, we've heard that colleagues have privately urged her to step down. She did announce that she would not seek re-election in 2024. Girl, it's like, <laughs> are you going to make it? To I know. This is This is – but she's been out of work since February due to complications from shingles and hasn't been able to signal a return date. She is on indefinite medical leave, and now people are publicly calling for her resignation. She's missed many, many votes, and she's on the hugely important Judiciary Committee. Somebody pointed out, and I was trying to like fact check this today, and I, I don't think I was searching the right things, but they were pointing out that you, typically people that have missed as many votes of this, regardless of gender, have resigned. But the committee she's on is super fucking important because the the We've talked about a lot that this president is appointing federal judges as rap- really rapidly, is appointing mostly non-white women to the federal bench. And he's doing that because we have the Senate, we have the Judiciary Committee. Without her, we are not able to advance people out of that committee, or at least not the same people, not as liberal people, because we need Republicans to do so. So finally, she was like, okay, fine, take me off that committee for a while. But we need Republican cooperation for that. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. <laughs> oxymoron. And Republican members of the even Lindsey Graham, those two are those two are so close. They'd love to hug. But Republican members of the Judiciary Committee refuse to approve that. And I think this could go to a full Senate vote, but they're not going to find 10 Republicans. Uh, they're not going to get a filibuster. Yeah, it needs, to, it needs a cel- filibuster. Yeah, I wouldn't want, to- we wouldn't want Democrats to do this for them. So n- no surprises there. Their justification is just that they want to do this to get more extreme people through as if like, I don't know much about the Judiciary Committee's work internally. I'm not sure if Senator Feinstein is, Feinstein is known for um, being a little bit conservative, but that's what that, that's what they're saying. They're like, you guys are just going to ram the people through. It's like, sir, Amy Coney Barrett is on the, the Supreme Court of the United States. Yeah. For now, Dick Durbin, the senator from Illinois, he leads that committee. He is shelving nominees that don't have GOP support and moved through a batch like yesterday or today that does, which is okay. kind of like, I don't know, do I want any judges that have GOP support? Members of Congress, I think the distinction now and why we're talking about it now, the distinction between you know, now and months prior or even years prior is that members of Congress have now publicly 
called for Feinstein to resign, respectfully, but publicly. Other members, they include um, Ro Khanna and Dean Phillips. Those are the ones, the most prominent ones. Other members, including Chris Murphy and Nancy Pelosi, they kind of implied sexism. They didn't say the word sexism, but they just said like male members who were sick were not met with the same calls. So we posed this question to you on our Instagram stories yesterday and the overwhelming majority asking like, is this sexist to call for her resignation or is there just something about the way people are approaching it? Is there, do we, are we getting a sexist energy from it? And a lot of you said no. I mean, I think like 97% said no. I think we all, I definitely agree. I think it's, it's interesting. It's one of those things where it's like, it's not often that a woman, it's kind of a new phenomenon that an 80, there's a woman that's been in the Senate for 31 years and is therefore 89. Like, so we're having these, we're going to start having more conversations in, in feminism. And this is very sort of like, you know, not this is not quite intersectional feminism. This is an 89 year old white woman who was able to take advantage of the privileges her entire time there. But like, it's it's not sexist. It's just this is perhaps the first time that this particular set of circumstances have have come up, and that's why we're calling for this woman to resign. Not because she's a woman. It's because the Judiciary Committee can't do anything. Also, like one person, my favorite answer was like, "It's not sexist. She's an 89 year old who can't do her job." Well, that's fine. Like time to go. Yeah. My question with all of this is, and maybe you guys could answer it for me. What is the boomer obsession with working? You tell me tomorrow, you tell a Gen Z, you tell me, you tell a millennial tomorrow, Millie, you don't got to work for the rest of your fucking life. You can go to to Lake Tahoe and live your nice ass life with your little poppy chulo. <laughs> Bitch. I'll fucking quit tomorrow. I won't do shit. And you got your whole life ahead of you. She's got and a I couple got my years. Whole life. Yeah, I don't want to do anything. What the fuck are you doing? Like, stop. Even I to, don't I know mean, what this seat hoarding is. It feels kind know. of pathological. It's not just her, though. It's uh, We talk, mm-hmm. there's a lot of Democrats. It's like, let it the fuck go. A lot of Move people said that way. as well. Said It's, um, like, it's sexist if we don't also call for them. There were some people who were like, I don't think anyone over 80 should be there. Like, no, nah, they all. shouldn't have guns. They shouldn't be on social media. They shouldn't <laughs> be driving. And they should sure as hell not go to work if they ain't going to show up. We're going to just... get a review from a senior citizen tomorrow. That's like, that age. I just, I mean, again, I do feel like if, if there were li- like straight up, I, I feel like the sexism test for me is like, if a man were 89 and on the Judiciary Committee, which is a huge distinction because there are other older senators, whatever. I think, like, she's the oldest senator right now. Yeah. But, but like, if there was a senator whose age and illness was making it so that the Judiciary Committee could not pass judges, which in light of what we have learned about the judicial system in the past couple of years is fucking critical. I would say like man, woman, or anything in between, you gotta go. You gotta resign because like this isn't just about the fact that she hasn't come to work. This is about the fact that it is holding up specifically the judiciary committee, which is, a huge, huge, huge problem. 
And that is like, I think the linchpin of it all. Cause I, I was looking on our Instagram when you posted stuff and I saw some people, the people who did, I guess, come think that it was sexist. Like some people brought up John McCain and mm-hmm. stuff like that and other people. And like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> Megan McCain responding. Um, but I think the actual biggest issue isn't just her age, isn't just like that she's been missing stuff. It's that it is holding up the Judiciary Committee specifically. And that is what is a huge issue. I think she has a response. I I believe she has a responsibility to resign. I agree with Ro Khanna and Dean Phillips and what they have said. I do also think that the issue here, though, is that when someone is 89 and sick and there have been a lot of reports that like, you know, her mental acuity is not where it once was. I don't know if she's in a place to like actually take in all of that information and make that decision. So that's why I think we're really between a rock and a hard place here because we're convincing someone who maybe years ago, because she has like actually a really long and storied history in the Senate. This is someone who could have resigned on a really high mm-hmm. note or stepped down on a really high mm-hmm. note and who would kind of be a really esteemed figure in the party. Like it doesn't bring like me Jacinda joy. in New Jersey, in New Zealand. Yeah, her biography I, yeah. is amazing. Like she would marry men and then she would marry rich men and then like run another race. Like she would have them pay for it. But you're right. I mean, like, Sam and I were talking about this yesterday. Like, I do not think people are going to start saying things like expulsion to her. I don't think the Democrats would do that. I don't think that's good to expel a member of our own party. But I think if people start taking a more serious tone with her and the people that she is able to listen to, like I think – I saw some reporters being like, she's thinking about it. She's not like – she hasn't said in a statement absolutely (laughs) – yeah, she's finally thinking at 89 of like – but yeah, I think it is interesting and important to sort of pose. And I think this is also sort of like colored by – I definitely have a sort of slight – feel slightly defensive when people say that Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have resigned. I think the circumstances are slightly different because she wasn't holding up immediate business. But like, would we – of course, I'm not an idiot. Would we be in a different scenario today at this moment had she resigned during the Obama administration? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. I think a lot of people watched that and and learned like she did have two cancer scares during that in 2013, 2014. It's a lesson learned, but it's like – I think that lesson was learned from a justice, not a woman. I don't think it's like, I think we need to be a little careful in how we frame um, aging women in general, because there are lots of bad tropes around that that are Mm -hmm. not, that men aren't, that don't, that men don't have to deal with. But like, just put simply, as you said, like, regardless of gender, um, not just because she's on the Judiciary Committee, but like, this is a really fucking narrow majority. Anything could happen to anyone at any time. Yeah, and so and it really I, does matter. Every day matters what's getting done in there. Well, and to use the <laughs> to use the language of tone deaf, uh, <laughs> racist. It's like I don't care if you're blue, green, purple, man, <laughs> yeah. woman, non-binary. <laughs> I don't see color. Black, white. I don't. I see don't gender. see age. I. This is not to say that aging population don't don't bring they shouldn't be allowed to vote that's not what i'm saying that they we shouldn't respect their opinion or protect them or anything like that there are 89 year olds that probably could do the job yeah there are many 89 she's not one of them she's not one of them and i would say most of them (laughs) i'm kidding no um but i'll say this 
I got a cold three days in a row. I ain't showing up for work. Yeah. And if I can quit and not be and not lose my house, I do it too. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I don't get it, Diane. You yes. have lost me on this one. And I think that we a bigger conversation needs to happen that we, we need to talk about. It's like not everything against a woman is sexist. Yes. You know, that's a bigger thing. It's like sometimes women are whack. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yes. And that's why we do rights and wrongs. That's mm-hmm. why we do rights and wrongs. We got to support, just as we support women's rights, we got to call out women's wrongs. That, you know, nothing good will happen if we don't have a real come to your creator moment <laughs> about <laughs> what the fuck people are doing. And, you but, know, yeah. That is exactly why we are announcing a very big new segment. We announced a lot of new segments, but this is going to be a real big one every week. We are announcing, we think we're going to call this our listener town hall, our sup town hall. We have created a phone number for you to call to express your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts with us. Now, there will be some guidelines. What we're thinking is, you know, ask our POV on an issue or a debate that we haven't talked about. We obviously don't address anything everything here. Uh, if we didn't talk about an issue that you really wanted us to chime in on, whether it's something, let, we, we want to make this section of the podcast pretty positive and light. It's kind of a place to sort of end the show on Thursdays and get your feedback, um, invite you into the group chat so you can add something funny to a story that we missed. I would love for you to tell us about funny politician sightings that you had. I would love that. I don't want us to get sued, but we'll we'll figure it out. Any sightings you have, please let us know. Funny encounters. If you are in a profession affected by something we're talking about, like you're a teacher and you want to share an anecdote that sort of adds to an issue you heard us discuss on the pod, if you just want to ask us a very random question about politics, period, like something about Ronald Reagan, I don't know, anything you want our obscure opinion on anything, Hit us. What do you guys? What do you guys want people to ask about in their voicemails? Yeah, I definitely want to hear the like maybe smaller news stories mm, that we're not local able. News stories, yeah, yeah, local news stuff. Like oftentimes, I'm not able to like always check my DMs all the time, but like sometimes you guys send me really funny, interesting, cool stuff in the DMs, and so like. Yeah, stuff that we've missed, stuff that you think is relevant. Are men okay submissions would yes. be awesome. Definitely, definitely that. Um, yeah, I'm excited to hear from you. Yeah, if you just want to tell us, you know, in 30 seconds why your local politician is the absolute worst, we will play it. Some of them will play. So if you do call in, you should know that your voice might be heard. Uh, but some of them, like we're going to have a transcript. So depending on you know what we get, we might just read them. It'll be different week to week. Um, but yes, the number we're going to put in, I'll put it on our Instagram stories and it's going to be in every single description. The number is 212-287-5244. So submit your, your queries, your comments to our listener town hall. Be respectful. Be nice. And uh, we can't wait to chat with you. But I also want to hear about if you're a bad feminist. We, I, I love that segment. And it would be cool if you have something that you're not sure is kosher or cool. Uh, if you're a bad feminist, I want to hear about it. Yes, exactly. Bridget was saying the same this morning. So this sort of town hall can kind of be like an umbrella for a lot of the questions that we pose a lot. Am I a bad feminist? If, lay them on us. Is it sexist? If, lay it on us. And uh, maybe some weeks we'll batch them by category if we get a lot of one or the other. Uh, but Yes, we want to have fun with this. And you guys are so smart that we want to help you. We want to let you help us make our content. So 
And if you're mean, we're not going to play it. Yeah. So, no, like, definitely no, don't be mean because we're not going to yeah. play it. And also, Bridget isn't even going to send them to us. So. True. <laughs> so, like, if you're mean, we won't even fucking hear it. If you so. purposely want us to feel bad, this is not the way because no, these will be filtered. It will n- yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Find another way to upset us. Come to tonight's show and heckle them. I don't know. No, no, <laughs> no. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> we're so uh, nice. That is our show. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamares. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Batches.